Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. We are in our series this morning talking about no turning back. And it's, it's because the title series, we're in the book of Hebrews. And what's been happening is these Hebrew believers came to know Jesus Christ through faith, but now they turning back, going, trying to go back under the law and trying to go back under the law. They're, they are uh, leaving Christ and w- departing from the faith. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them and to stay the course and not turn back. So today, and we're going to look at chapter five of Hebrews and go into chapter six in a few moments. But this is talking about growing strong, growing strong. We need to be growing. Amen. How many know everybody in this house, we should be growing spiritually. Amen. So growing strong is what we're talking about. Let me just summarize the first 10 verses, if I can, for you real quick. Uh, In this, we find out that the priest, the writer of Hebrews is letting us know that the priest is a chosen position that God chooses. How many know a minister does not choose just to be a minister? A pastor doesn't choose to be a pastor. I never chose this, but God had a calling on my life. And I followed that calling. And when man, man, God would choose men who were just men to become high priests to serve in the temple. And the priest's job was to represent God to the people and the people to God. He would take their sacrifices, burn them on the offering, and offer them to God for the people. And so the people, their sins could be atoned for or covered for that time. And so that's, that was a position, but he would just, as any other man, so was the priest, the scripture says, he was subject to weakness just like all the other men were. And so he had to offer sacrifices for himself also. And then we find out that as he offered sacrifices for himself, we find out that Jesus did not take it upon himself to think he could become a priest, but God made him a high priest and a, a, the perfect priest. Matter of fact, it says... In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Now think about that statement. Jesus learned obedience from the things that he suffered. How many know he was 100% man, he was 100% God? In the, in the flesh, in the man part of him, he suffered many different times. But one of the greatest times of his suffering was this. In the night that he was to be betrayed, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying so hard that his his sweat became like drops of blood, the Word of God describes it. And he was such an agony. And his cry was, God, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, let it pass. But not my will, but your will be done. He submitted himself to God, even though, and this is in his flesh, he's struggling with this. And so he submitted himself to God. And so he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And then look at this in verse uh, uh, nine, it says in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obeyed him. Now think about that. Jesus became the perfect high priest. There's no other, there's no other priest better than Jesus. Amen. He is the perfect high priest. He knows that he, knows that he suffered everything as we have suffered. And he, but the word of God says that he, he was tempted in all ways we was tempted, but was without sin. And he suffered in his body. So he knew what we would struggle with. And so he became the perfect high priest for us that paid the price for us. See, we have to learn obedience to, to grow. Amen. See, a lack of our obedience shows a lack of maturity. 
It show, a lack of obedience shows a lack of maturity. And how many know we got to learn how to walk in obedience just as Jesus did, even, even when it's hurtful? I mean, think about the, what he was going through that night in the garden. And think about how he wanted so desperately crying out, let this cup pass from me. But he surrendered his will to God. And he was willing to do, go in obedience no matter how difficult it was. And there's times that we have to make choices to be obedient to God no matter how difficult it gets. Amen? We've got to be willing to be obedient to God because there will be difficult times. So to grow, we have to learn obedience. We have to learn obedience. So let's, let's move on as we move on. Now, next week, Pastor Justin's actually going to be speaking on uh, the, uh, the idea of Melchizedek because Jesus became high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And that's a whole other story. And Pastor Justin's going to be dealing with that next week. So that's awesome. But let's talk about to grow, you must grow up. To grow, you must grow up. How many know you? There's a lot of times, there's a lot of people in churches that are very immature spiritually. They, they're the basic, they're just baby Christians, and, but they've never really grown out of that immaturity. They're still walking in immaturity. And so if we're going to grow up, if we're going to grow strong, we have to grow up. Look at verse 5, chapter 5, verse 11. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Man, that's a harsh word, isn't it? I mean, what are you sitting in the pastor's office? He says, you know, I, there's a lot of things I'd like to help you with, but you know, you're spiritually dull and you don't listen anyhow, so I'm not even going to talk to you. How does that make you feel? I mean, that's, and that's basically what he, he starts off this here with that. He says, he's saying, he's wanting, he's trying to, he's trying to, in a sense, I think he's trying to shame them to grow up, to mature. And then he goes on. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Now, church, when you, when you got saved, how many know God saved you to mature you? To grow you, right? He didn't save you for you to stay in the infant state. You know, like my son, my son and I, we played in a golf tournament yesterday. But I remember when my son was born. He's, he's 36, uh, 37. I don't know. He's somewhere. My wife. He, but he's, 30, he's 37. But when he was born, he was like this little guy, Levi, down here, okay? Now, he was, in a, he was in a cradle stuff. He had a bottle. We had to change his diaper and everything. Now, if he's now down the road, he's now 37 years old, and I'm still having to give him a bottle. I'm still having to change his diaper, and I'm still having to take care of him like he's a baby. How many know there's something desperately wrong? But how many know that's a lot of ways the Christians are a lot of times? That's how we, we're not growing spiritually. We're still in this infant stage. Oh, I'm, we got saved. But we've never grown out of some of the things that have hindered us and kept us back. We haven't applied the word of God into our life. And so instead of growing and being mature, like God desires us to be, we're still back here. Give me milk. Give me milk. Oh, I pray. I hope the pastor says something good today that I can hang on to all week. Give me my pacifier. How many know you, we should be feeding ourselves? You know, the thing about it, I've heard, I've, you know, when we come to, to the Word of God, the Word of God should be growing us and maturing us. And see, church, without the Word of God, without this being read and applied and obeyed, you're not going to grow spiritually. 
You will remain an infant in immaturity and continue to fall in the same sin over and over and over again. But here's where you get to know God. This is where you get intimacy with God. This is how you begin to know who, who Christ is and who you are in Christ Jesus. And this is the way you walk in, walk in maturity is in the word of God. Now listen, he says you should be teaching others, but you need others to still teach you. Some people were reverting back to how they used to live before they, uh, uh, and not maturing. This is, this is, was a problem. And see, he says to grow strong, you must grow up. So the next point is simply, I, I put it down. Don't refuse to grow up. There's people who refuse to grow up. Isn't it true? How many remember Peter Pan? Seen Peter Pan. What was Peter Pan's biggest problem? He didn't want to grow up. He wanted to stay a child. He wanted to stay just a little boy and not have to worry about anything. And see, Chuck Swindoll, many, many years ago, I heard him talk, preach a message on this, and it was called the Peter Pan Syndrome. It's where people refuse to grow up. They get stuck in this immature state, and that's where they stay. And they never grow into everything that God has for them to grow into. And I pray you're not there today. I pray that you're not in that place of just... I'm okay, just, I got my ticket stamped to heaven. God wants you to grow. God wants you to develop. Don't refuse to grow up. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. He says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Anybody know people that call themselves believers that live like that? They don't, they're always making the same thing over and over and over, and they don't see any problem with it? It's because a lot of times they refuse to grow up and they're in that immature state. Look at verse 14. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, listen, have, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Through training. I love that statement, through training. Training in what? Training in the Word of God. Now, I love the way the New King James puts it too. Listen to this. It's not on the board, but I'll read it for you, New King James. He says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. By reason of use. In other words, they don't just bring it to church to look good. They live it. It's, it's their life. They're in this word. They're, they're obedient to the word of God. And they're being trained in the word. And their, their senses are, are developing. And they have greater discernment about things. And they don't have to, they're not led astray as often as some people are led astray. Because they know what the word of God says. See, here's the, here's the thing, church. I feel like one of the greatest gifts of the spirit for the church. I know there's a lot of people like a lot of different gifts. And there's a bunch of gifts. But I think the greatest gift for the church is the gift of discernment. And I think it's one of the major gifts that is missing in the church because people are missing in the world all around because people are just gullible. They, they, they believe almost anything they, somebody says instead of going back to the word of God. How many know it's not wrong to question what's being said if, by the word of God? Amen. And you need to have, you develop discernment when you get into the word of God. You become more aware of the things of God. You know more aware of the presence of God. And when you go into a place and somebody says something that's not right, you, you, it, it, it's right there. It resonates in you. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I've been in some of those times where I've been years ago, uh, years ago, I went to some services and things were not right in those services. And I went there and the worship was out, it looked okay, but something just happened. And I, I had this grieving in my spirit. I, I just said, this is not right. This is, why, how could I know that? Because of the spirit of God, because of the word of God. Because if you want to know, know how to define what's counterfeit and what's real, know what is real and the counterfeit, you'll see it every time. Know what is real, and you will know what is counterfeit. Amen? So he says they exercise their mind, their, their self because of use. They train themselves in the Word of God. Look at verse, verse 6 of chapter 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. So let's stop going over the basic teachings about Christian Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamentals of importance of the importance of repentance from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't, you don't need further instruction about baptism and laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. He says, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. In other words, he's saying it's time to grow up, church. Quit, now, remember the lens which we're looking at this through. The writer of Hebrews is writing to who? He's writing to the Hebrew people who have accepted Jesus Christ by faith. And as they've accepted him by faith, now all of a sudden, we don't know what's happened. There, there, there is persecution, things happening. And some of these people felt like they, that this was not good enough. We need to go back under the law, and we need to begin to practice the things under the law again. And that's the audience that he's t- talking to. And he's telling them, church, it's time to grow up, and it's, let's quit being infants. Let's move in deeper into the deeper things of God. And you know what? The deeper things of God, I think he really spells it out to us. How many of the deeper things of God is more about touching people, loving people, touching their lives? And that, that's because why? It gets you your mind off of yourself. And we'll get, we'll get more into that in a few moments. But here he says, he says, we don't need to preach all these things to you again. You know these things. Now practice them. Put it into practice. Amen? See, to grow up, to grow strong, you must trust in the Lord. You must trust the Lord. Now, this, these next few verses can be very difficult to understand. And I know sometimes I think they have been taken out of context because you, if you look at the lens of what we're looking through, what the writer of Hebrews is doing here, he's, letting, he's trying to let these people know that you cannot, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ and you've got forgiveness and you've received forgiveness, you can't go over back into the law and begin to offer sacrifices again and find forgiveness. How many of there was not, no forgiveness in the law? In the law, the only sin was covered for, for at least a year. It was never forgiven. It was never taken away. Only that was done through Jesus Christ. And so some of these Hebrew believers who were abandoning the faith were going back under the law and thinking they could be forgiven by doing the, uh, the sacrifices. Sometimes they probably felt good about their sacrifices because this, by faith, Jesus did everything. But by, under the law, it's all about me bringing my gifts and bringing my sacrifice and feeling good about myself because now I've done something religious. Anybody ever been there? And now he says to them, this is about trusting God. He says, for it is impossible to bring to repentance those who were once enlightened and who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit 
who have tasted the goodness of the world of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God, it is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him to an open shame. Now, listen to what he says. He said it's impossible to bring them back to repentance. What does it mean? It means as long as you're trying to find forgiveness and repentance in the old way, the, the sacrifices and under the old priesthood, you're, you will never find it there. You're only going to find it in Jesus Christ. You once tasted it. You knew what it was. And now you've gone to back to a place where you're apostate to almost to the point, And you're not willing to listen and go back and leave this stuff behind and come to Jesus. Jesus is willing to forgive. Amen. Now, a lot of times people have taken this and talked about, and it could be used. I'm not saying it can't, about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. But that's not, I don't believe that's what the writer is really talking about here. He's talking about people who have converted back and thinking, i got to do sacrifices. In other words, what Jesus did was not enough. i got to do other things. Anybody ever lived that way, felt like you had to do something more to get God to like you? I mean, I accept it by faith, but man, if I got to do this or I got to do that and win, God, win God's favor. You already have God's favor. You are a child of God. He accepted you just the way you were. He didn't say you had to change anything He's, uh, or change before you come to him. He will change you. He accepts you right where you are. While I was yet a sinner, he, he died for me. Before I ever made a move to him, he came to me. And he said he is faithful and just to forgive anyone of their sins if they come to him. Now, here's the thing. This these people that were going back under Judaism thought that they could find forgiveness and they felt good about themselves because of their sacrifices and thought this, they could have forgiveness. And the writer saying, you can never be forgiven that way. You can never. It's only in Jesus Christ. Because anytime you try to add anything to what Jesus Christ has done, it becomes polluted. It's no good. When you think you've got to do something to win God's favor, that's not good. Jesus already did it. He paid it all. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm pretty glad about that. But he says here, he says, it's impossible for you to go back under the law and find repentance. Once you've been enlightened, once you've ex experienced Christ, it's, you can't do that. He said, now look at, look at uh, verse uh, uh, 5. He says, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. What turning away was going back under the law. It's impossible to bring such people back to repentance. I don't know if you've ever dealt with somebody that's moved into a place of their almost apostasy to the point. No matter what you tell them, they're right. They're, they're so hardened in their heart that they're not willing to listen to anybody. Because they're so, they're so determined that they're right and everybody else is wrong. How I many that's a dangerous place to be? But that's where, that's, that's what we have to be careful of. Because I have dealt with people, and no matter what you say, no matter what you read in the Word, they say, no, but this is this, this, this. I'm going to, how many know, it's, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing, nothing wrong with questioning anything you hear by the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't feel bad if somebody says something. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. You know what? Get in the Word. And don't, don't, don't just eat it up. Because this is where discernment comes in. This is where we need that. That we're not sucked into to this hole of just junk. Get the Word of God in your life. Get the Word of God in your life. He says you can't find forgiveness there. And then he goes on. 
It is impossible to bring such, I'm in verse 6, it is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. They have rejected the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him to a public shame. When somebody who once knew Jesus Christ and they felt like they needed to go back under the law to make sacrifices, they're basically saying Jesus was not enough. He wasn't the Messiah. They put him to an open shame. And that's what happens. And, and the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell these people, listen, it's time to grow up. Don't, don't keep doing this. It's time to stay the course. It's time to fall, grow up and be the men and women of God that God's ordained for you to be. Because God doesn't want us to be going back under things. He didn't ask us to do anything except what? Have faith in him and obedience, right? To love him. Now, That's okay. It's when the adults start doing that that I have a problem. <laughs> Basically, in that portion of Scripture, he, he is not saying you can never find forgiveness. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. What he is saying is under the law, you can never find forgiveness. Because that's what he's referring to. This whole book is about the, the, the covenant that God has made with us. And so, if we're going to grow up, one of the things we have to do to grow strong, you must serve others. you got to serve others. You know what the, the real problem a lot of times within the church is? We're too focused on self and not focused on others. How many of Jesus, it was all about others? Wasn't it? It was all about others. Now, look at this. He says in verse 7, When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears good crop... For the farmer, it is God's blessings. But if the field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn the field and burn it. He said, in other words, we're supposed to be productive in our spiritual walk. We're supposed to be productive about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, we're, we're to be proactive in, in telling people about Jesus. Amen, church? And serving others and loving on others. That's what God's called us to do. Now, listen, he said, it, when, just as you're supposed to be productive, don't be like that field that's dry, that's doing nothing. Otherwise, there's judgment in that. But look what he says out here. And I like verse 9. He says, dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. Everything he just said really applied to them. And I think it's kind of like one of those things, trying to jerk their chain to get them to come along. Anybody ever done something like that? Tell somebody something, and oh, I know that's not really you, but, 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 and this is kind of the writer. He's saying, he's saying, he's really saying, trying to say, I want you to become this. I want you to be, I want you to do this. I want you to mature. He says, he said, we're, we're confident that this does not apply to you. He says, we are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. Now, think about that for a moment. Things come to salvation. For God, now, look what he says. He says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget your, how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you do. He's admonishing them. They were loving each other. They were supposed to be caring for each other. In church, how many know the world around us needs the church? The world around us needs the church. 
It needs us to show the love of God. It needs us to live it out. We need to be obedient. We need to go out in the doors and, how many, and just love on people. That's what we're called to do, serving others. You know, sometime back, back in October, Ryan Moore was with me, uh, or with us on our missions uh, month. And Ryan said to me, he said, Gary, what do you, what do you consider, what, what's the difference between a church that is outwardly focused and a church that's inwardly focused? In other words, what's, what's the difference? And, you know, we're driving, and something popped into my mind. I'd never thought about it before, and I said, well, let me, let me kind of put it this way. Anybody ever had an ingrown toenail? How many, how many know, it seems like everybody bumps it and steps on it at that time when it's hurting? I said, a church that's inwardly focused is like a church that has a, everybody has an ingrown toenail and everybody's stepping on each other's foot. And there's bickering, there's fighting, there's, dis- there's discord, there's problems. I said, a church that is outwardly focused, ministering to people, loving people, all of a sudden all the ingrown toenails disappear. I know it's a crude illustration, but, but it's a fact. When, we, when a church becomes inwardly focused, it's, it's, not, it's not operating the way God intended the church to operate. We are to be the church that's going out and touching the world. A number of years ago, I, I preached a message on, called, the, the world is waiting for the church. And I want to tell you still today, the world's waiting for the church. We, the church needs to be an, a, a, an element of healing in our community. Be, be a, 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 the healing that can just change people's hearts and lives. But church, we, to grow and, and to be what God wants us to be, we've got to serve others. Now, look what he says. He says, our great desire, look at verse 11. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as la- life lasts, as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Man, they were hoping in Jesus. They're waiting for his return. They're waiting. And he says, I want you to keep doing what you're doing. I want you to love others. Minister into people's lives. Touch their lives. Be willing to serve. How many of Jesus said he came to serve? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And church, as a believer, as a believer, we should be serving the people around us. People we work with people we hang out with, people we go to the grocery store. I was just talking to a lady last week. She called me and was giving me a great testimony. She ran into, she met this guy in the grocery store. He was a, he was a, one of these little uh, motorized scooters going around the store. She was able to talk to him. They got outside and she actually led the man to the Lord. How many know when you get, when you get involved in people's life, all of a sudden your spiritual life takes on a whole new element. When you start ministering to people, it's, it's a whole nother thing. It really is. Now, look what he says in verse 12. He says, then, he says, if you're loving people, ministering to people, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. He said, if you want, to, you want vitality in your spiritual walk, serve others. Love others. Touch their lives. Begin to minister to people around you. Begin to serve. And he said, then you won't become spiritually dull. I talk to believers all the time and and people all the time. And there's times that 
you can tell people, they, they, they have no spiritual vitality in their life. They're just like, well, it's just another day. Why? Because they're not doing anything with what God has given them. They're not using it. And so consequently, it becomes dull. You want to get the dullness off your walk with God? Start doing something for the kingdom of God. Start loving people. Start getting involved, ministering to others. Touch the people out there that's hurting and broken. And then he said, you won't become spiritually dull. See, church, people, he compared people to the field, and either they receive the rain and produce, or they bear thorns and are useless. Then he said, God has called us to a life of, uh, to be productive in his kingdom, right? To be productive and serving others will keep us from becoming spiritually dull. I want to challenge you this morning. You want to knock the dullness off? You say, I want, I want to have joy. I want to, I want to have, start serving others. Start pouring your life into others and watch what God will do. You'll come back with a whole other joy. A joy that only God can give you because you've been saying, God, here I am, I'm available. Amen? Church, God wants us to grow. And if we're not growing, if we're not growing, it's not God's fault. If we're not growing, it's not God's fault. It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility to get into this word right here. It's not just, you know, I, Chuck Swindoll, I, I used to listen to him all the time, but you know what he said? He made this statement. He says, you know, on Sunday morning when the church comes together, it should be a time of celebration of what God's done throughout the week. And to the point where you've been in the Word all week, you've been praying, you've been living your life, and when you come together, it's, it's just a celebration because it's like icing on the cake because you've already been, you've been feeding all week on the Word of God. Church, you will not grow spiritually without God's Word. You will not know Him intimately without the Word. You will not be able to have discernment and knowing what's really right and wrong without the Word of God. Train yourself in the Word. Amen? Let's stand together. We've got to train ourselves in the Word. Growing up. Isn't it easier sometimes to to be a kid you know how you th but you know what it really, God never intended us to stay a kid if you're not growing spiritually then can I just say to you honestly something's wrong if you're, if you're still fighting the same battles that you fought 20 years ago something's wrong because God he changes us from glory to glory Amen. He changes us more and more into his image. And we got to develop. We got to grow. If you're still sitting around saying, I hope pastor gives me a good little morsel today to help me through this week. I mean, I want to give good stuff. But how many know you can't live on a one little morsel? The word of God, we got to get in it for ourselves. So, Father, this morning, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for challenging us to grow, to grow up. Father, to be 
more aware of the hurting people around us. Father, to be able to touch people and make a difference in their life, to serve others. But Father, also realizing we can't add to the work that Jesus has already done. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And God, it's through the spirit of God that you want to operate in your church. And I just thank you for that. I give you praise. Amen.